Pastor Xavier Reese explains, with a new life in Christ, you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. The journey of our lives since Jesus saved us out of the world, the type of Egypt should never be forgotten. Whatever lifestyle he brought you out of alcohol, promiscuity, or whatever it is, you fill in the blank. Never forget where he brought you. His mercy, his tenderness, all the stuff that he's done for you since that day. He has adopted us as sons and daughters. To who do we owe it but him and him alone? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation." Just as this passage from Exodus 19 suggests how the Israelites delivered from Egypt were saved for God's divine purpose, Pastor Xavier makes the application in today's Simple Truth study how we've been saved according to his purpose as well. Moses and Israel have arrived there from their wilderness journey, the foot of Mount Sinai, ready to encounter Yahweh to become the covenant people through the giving of the law. The heart of the book of Exodus centers on this event right here, Mount Sinai. Here God officially makes Israel... His covenant people. And everything, the Jewish history, the Pentateuch, everything looks back and focuses on this event. From the rescue of Moses to be the future deliverer was to bring them to Mount Sinai, Exodus 1 and 2. The appearance of God to Moses in the burning bush was that they might come through his leadership to serve and to worship God there in Mount Sinai. Or Mount Horeb, same thing, Exodus 3 and 4. The ten plague judgment upon Egypt was to demonstrate the judgment on the gods of Egypt, and there was no one like God, and God would begin to lead them in their journey through Moses to Mount Sinai, Exodus 5 through 12, and the crossing of the Red Sea and the destruction of the Egyptian army confirmed God's guidance and protection as they moved towards Mount Sinai, Exodus 13 through 15, and the cleansing of the bitter waters, the provisions of quail and manna, Water from the rock that the feet of Amalek continually affirmed the presence of God in the midst of them and his ability to bring them to Mount Sinai, Exodus 16 and 17, and the visit of Jethro, his father-in-law, as Israel encamped there on the mountain at the foot of it was to prepare Moses for the journey that would follow after Mount Sinai. Everything is focused upon this is the heart of who the Jewish people are. And so chapter 19 has been seen as an introduction to this section from chapter 19 to 24. The covenant of the Lord being declared here, as we'll see in 20, uh, 19 and uh, 20, we get the Ten Commandments or the Ten Words that are given to Israel. Uh, 21, 22, 23, you have the social, civil, moral, ethical ordinances that are given to them. And then in 24, they enter into covenant with the Book of the Covenant, sacrifice, blood, an oath to become the covenant people of God. So this section is very, very important. So what we want to do is look at chapter 19 at the meeting of Israel with the holy God, and it's unfolded for us in three movements. But let me read our text here for us of chapter 19. It says, In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai, for they had departed 
from Rephidim and come to the wilderness of Sinai. So Israel camped before the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure uh, to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and the holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all the words which the Lord had commanded him. And all the people answered together and says, All the words that the Lord has spoken to us we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud that the people may Hear when I speak to you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. And then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Take heed to yourselves that you do not go up in the mountain to touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. And so Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. And when it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and the thick cloud on the mountain and the sound of the trumpets were very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord ascended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him by voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to gaze at the Lord, and many of them perish. Also, let the priests who come near the Lord, consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. So Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to the Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, Set boundaries around the mountains and consecrate it. Then the Lord said to him, Away, get down, and then come up, you and Aaron, with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. And so Moses went down to the people and spoke to them. The meeting of Israel with the holy God here, Mount Sinai, unfolds for us in threefold movement. Verse 1 through 8, you have the revelation given to Moses to communicate to the people, implying God's holiness. Then in verse 9 through 15, you have the instruction to Moses in preparation of the people, communicating holiness. And then 16 through 25, the manifestation of God to Moses and the people, revealing holiness. So it's implied 
It's communicated and it's revealed. The heart of this chapter, not only this chapter, but the whole section of the 24, is the holy God and the holiness of God. This is the thing that is missing today from the church. We have lost fear of God, and we think that church is just like being in a club or going to Disneyland or something like that. And it is amazing. And you know that we as Calvary Chapel, we're kind of kicked back. <laughs> you know what I mean? But there's still that, that respect we should have for the Word of God and everything. Very, very important. And so let's begin here with the revelation given to Moses to communicate to the people, implying here God's holiness. Notice in verse 1 and 2, the journey and location of the people. It's given to us the time that it took for Israel to, from Egypt to Sinai is three months. Uh, it's, it's identified for us. This is the land of Midia again. We've talked about it. It's synonymous with the land of Media. It is not the peninsula, uh, Sinai Peninsula. Moses had fled from Egypt, Exodus 2.15, and he went to Midia, and it was east of the Gulf of Aqaba, not west of it. That's where he went. The three months is exact on the same day. So they left April 15th. This is June 15th. Three months to the day. The summary route is in verse 2. From Rephidim to the wilderness of Sinai. And they encamped there at the mountain. That's where they're at. The mountain is clearly identified here. As in the land of Midian. It is called the mountain of God. In Exodus 3.1, it is called Horeb. In three, Exodus 3.1, it is called Mount Sinai here, also in 19.11. So those three names are the same location, but where it's at is in Midian. It's not in the Sinai Peninsula, but over on the east side of the Gulf of Aqaba. That's where Moses went. And that's where God told him he had to bring the people back in Exodus 3.12. This is where he's brought them. So the maps that you have in your Bible and the teachings that usually goes on tells you the Sinai Peninsula. It is not there. It's over in Midia. You can't just move it and put it there. It's impossible. Now, Paul the Apostle seals the location in Galatians 4.25 as he's speaking about Hagar says, and Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. He tells us the location. That's the New Testament commentary. If that's all we had, that's all we need. He tells us it's in Saudi Arabia, not in the Sinai Peninsula. Now, in verse 3 through 6, the message to be delivered to the people is given to us. Notice in 3, Moses ascended for the first time to meet God. God is the initiator. Moses responds, and he's to declare the people the words of God. God identifies them as the house of Jacob, the children of Israel. Remember the promise of Jacob? Jacob means a heel catcher. He is a huckster. He is a flim-flam man. He's changed to Israel, governed by God. Jacob represents his nature in the flesh. Israel, his nature yielding to God in the spirit. And so he identifies both here. Now, notice in verse 4, Moses was to remind them of the power and protection that Yahweh had been for them, and they had witnessed it. They were there. And how often we have to be reminded of all the things that God has done for us because we forget so quickly. Especially when things aren't going our way, we think everything's against us, and that's not true, and we forget all that God has done, as if he's done nothing. And so here, he says he destroyed the Egyptians. You have seen that I, what I did to the Egyptians, and the you is emphatic in the Hebrew. He delivered them, bringing them to Horeb, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Uh, God had done it all. 
The description is figurative here in Porek of a, a mother eagle caring for her young. Moses will later pick it up in Deuteronomy 32, 9 through 12, where he says, For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the place of his inheritance. He found him in the desert uh, land and in the wasteland and howling wilderness. He enriched him. He encircled him. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirs up his nest, hovers over the young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings, so the Lord alone led them, and there was no foreign God with him. So like that eagle that pushes her eaglets out, and they're freaking out, going down the precipice and all that, but then she scoops underneath, and she gets them on her wings and brings them back up in the nest, and you say, oh, thank mom, and she pushes them out again. What are you doing? Because they got to learn how to fly. But she's very tender and she takes care of them. If they, if they don't exercise those wings, they will never be able to fly. They won't survive. This is God in your life and mine. He pushes you out of that nest. You're t- you know, fat birds don't fly far. You've got to exercise. You understand? And then we start freaking out. Verse 5, Moses was to declare the condition of the covenant Yahweh would make with them. Notice, notice the conduit would be their ears. Ratios 2 to 1. Two ears, one mouth. Listen, literally, if listening, Joshua says, for me and the Lord, we will serve the Lord. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. Me and my house, we're going to do it. Joshua 24, 4, 15. This is the key word for Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 6, 4 is the Shema. This is the word, Shema, the Shema of Israel. Hear, O Lord, hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. The great Shema of Israel, who he is. The condition would be their obedience. Notice to the specifics of the covenant. If you will indeed obey my voice, literally, if you completely listen and keep my covenant, you must observe my covenant. In other words, the word keep, there's the same word that's given to Moses in the garden to keep it in Genesis 2.15. So as we take in, we understand that we're responsible to guard that which is given to us, right? To respond to it, to obey. That's what he's talking about. Notice the outcome is also stated, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people of all the, because all the earth is mine. Now, the reference here to a special treasure, it's a possession. This is the property of God. They became the property of God. That's what he's saying. You belong to me. Now, the root word is to shut up, to encircle. He's your property. And he gives the reason why. Because he says the earth is mine. Who's going to argue with him? And there would be a great contradistinction between them and all the people, they would be above the people. Not better than the people, because in Deuteronomy, he says, listen, you weren't more in number. You're not mightier. You're not wiser. It's just because the Lord loves you. God's sovereign choice, you understand? But as we're going to see, God was going to use them to reach the world, but they failed. Verse 6, Moses was to declare to them their function and purpose. Notice, they were to be spokesmen for Yahweh. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. The you again is emphatic. Israel. This is the unique phrase of the Old Testament. Only found here. A people dedicated solely to the Lord. Mediating to bring others to God. But they lost sight of that. And they thought that they were chosen because they were better. So they exalted themselves to people. And above people. Genesis 12, 3 says to Abraham, and you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. 
the promise was the Gentiles would be included. But more than that is that they should have sought out those people. And instead, they, they exalted themselves and excluded people. So Israel was centripetal. They were to bring in the nations to Yahweh. They failed. We, the church, are centrifugal. We go out to the nations, but we have failed to an extent. Every year, less people know about Jesus Christ in the world, in spite of all the radio and all the satellite and everything else. Thank God, God has the angel to preach the everlasting gospel during the tribulation, great tribulation, huh? Or it'll never get out. Notice, and still in verse 6, they were to be the nation of God and a holy nation. Nation distinct, set apart, holy to God and His covenant. This is repeated through chapter 7 of Deuteronomy, chapter 26, many other portions. A holy nation above others. This was the commission of Moses. These words he was to tell the children of Israel as they've arrived. Now in verse 7 and 8, you have the response Indicated by the people. In verse 7, the man Moses, notice, first addressed the elders of Israel. And Moses came and called the elders. And, and uh, they were the leaders, the representatives of the, of the tribes. And I'm sure that some of these were the very ones that he first encountered when he went back to Egypt for the Exodus. In Exodus 3, 16, 18, and chapter 4, verse 29. They were murmuring, complaining. They didn't like what God was doing. And they were getting, you know, a lot of pressure from Pharaoh. But all of a sudden, they're here. He comes to them. And Moses lays out for them all these words of the Lord that he commanded him. And Moses being a faithful servant, always giving the word of the Lord. This is the greatest responsibility of any shepherd or any person who stands behind a pulpit. To give the, the word of God to people. I am always amazed how shocked some other pastors are when I tell them that I'm preaching through Exodus on Sunday morning and, and I take a long time. Or that I preach through Jeremiah or Isaiah or Ezekiel on Sunday morning. And they say, how do you get the people to come? I, what do you mean? I, I don't get nobody to come. I just teach the word of God. Why should these books seem to be boring or uninteresting? You should have been here when we went through Leviticus. That's a great book. <laughs> You're amazed what's in there. It's the word of God. You've got to roll up your sleeves and you've got to dig. Man, Moses was a witness to the response, what they say. He is the representative. He is the go-between. He's the mediator. No one else. And so in verse 8, the people expressed their rash willingness to hear and obey all the words of the covenant. He said, then all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Without, you know, oh, well, we can handle it. You remember James and John, they went to Jesus asking the right hand and the left hand, and he said, hey, are you able to partake of the cup and, and, and deal with some of the stuff? Oh, oh, yeah, Lord, no problem. And sometimes people, oh, yeah, I, I, I'll accept the Lord. Yeah, I, I'm a Christian. Are you sure? Hmm. So the man Moses in verse 8 that reported their agreement to Yahweh, he went back up with the words of the people. This is the second ascent now that Moses goes up to the mountain. You remember Isaiah 5, he saw the throne of God and he says, Woe is me, I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven. Every time a man saw the glory of God in his throne, Every one of them, without exception, were in awe of their own poverty, trembling, on their face at times, even sick at times. 
And I'm amazed. I was watching TV maybe 15 years ago, 14, something like that, and one of these positive confession guys, I think it was the older guy, and he's talking about he was shaving one morning, and, uh, and Jesus appeared to him. And they started talking. And I'm going, you did what? I said, every time I read my Bible, I see people on their face. I see them trembling. I see them get sick. And you continue to shave? You're like you didn't cut your throat. But by what he's telling me, I know he didn't talk to Jesus. That wasn't Jesus. Either he's a liar or he's a demon. One of the two. And people think they're Christians and they've got truth. I'm amazed. Let me tell you, you see God, you're going to be on your face before you know it. The journey of our life since Jesus saved us out of the world, the type of Egypt should never be forgotten. Whatever lifestyle he brought you out of, alcohol, promiscuity, or whatever it is, you fill in the blank. Never forget where he brought you. His mercy, his tenderness, all the stuff that he's done for you since that day. The ability to look back and to measure the benefit that now you have gained in terms of health, family, wisdom, peace, all of that. A new creature, old things pass away, everything becomes new, Second Corinthians 5.17. What a, to who do we owe it but Him and Him alone? And the grace that has been bestowed upon us to be one with God should never be forgotten either. It wasn't anything we did. We don't merit it. We can't deserve it. We don't buy it. He has adopted us as sons and daughters. Peter gives us a parallel identity as he does here for Israel. In 1 Peter 2, 9 through 12, he says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy, beloved. I beg you, as soldiers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. We're a light. We're here to minister. We're here to bring people into the kingdom. You understand? That's the whole purpose. In Revelation 1, 5, and 6, John says, To him who loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. What an incredible privilege and position has been given to us. What have we done to deserve this? Absolutely nothing but the grace of God. We are ambassadors for Christ, imploring sinners they not go to hell. Second Corinthians 5.20 we were lost. We, under, we understand the deception of sin. We understand what it is to think that it's out there and we're going to get it, but it's all vanity. We understand now, looking back, that if we would have died, we would have been in eternity lost. So we understand. So we implore sinners, why would you want to go to hell? You don't have to go to hell. Repent from your sins. You understand? Because the love of Christ constrains us, right? I mean, if the love of Christ didn't constrain us, I would say, yeah, go to hell. I don't care. But that's me. That's my flesh, right? But the love of Christ is to constrain me, to proclaim the gospel, to plead for people, to, to give them that opportunity. The only thing God desires of us is, as believers to obey his word. You remember when Saul disobeyed and entered and offered sacrifice in 1 Samuel 15, 22, uh, Samuel says there is better to obey than to sacrifice than to hearken to the fat of rams. God doesn't want to sacrifice. God wants obedience to the word of God. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, John 14, 15. 
15.10 If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. The author to the Hebrews in Hebrews 12.14 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no man will see the Lord. And so the revelation given to Moses to communicate to the people implied God's holiness. You can't get away from it. Pastor Xavier Reese, applying God's call to holiness of the delivered Israelites to all those who call Him Lord. And there's much more of this message to come next time. But if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy. And the title you want to ask for is simply The Holy God at Sinai. It's available on CD for only $4. And this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is The Holy God at Sinai, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com